When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap about the Dolphins with Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Uh, Good, Andy. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Any time I get a chance to talk about the long, historic rivalry, the Bears and the Dolphins, and the one game anybody ever remembers that they played against each other. (laughs) Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, so now that, before we get started, I thought we'd kill for 40 minutes with just regular banter. As we do. So, you know, uh, the Pointless Exercise newsletter is on Substack, because I, I wanted to be on the same writing staff with, like, Matt Iglesias and, uh, I don't know, I think Megan McCain probably has, I don't know who has a Substack. Anyway, <laughs> they were, uh, Boy. Boy. so, you know, with the demise of Twitter, and uh, 3,700 Twitter employees are getting fired tomorrow. That's a lot. It's half their workforce. And uh, apparently the way they're going to do it, Elon is just the best. If you get an email to your Twitter email address tomorrow morning, you still have a job. If you get an email to your personal email account, it is your separation agreement. How does HR get away with not sending a separation agreement to your company email domain? I don't think Elon does things the right way ever. I'm starting to think that he doesn't quite understand the nuances of but uh, we've been Perfect. those of us who have Substack newsletters like me and Kelly, Kelly. over there at uh, tsa.substack.com and other guys the second arrangement folks our friend Katie uh, we've been getting lots of emails from Substack about a new feature that is on if you have the uh, app if you have the iPhone app and soon if you have the Android app and actually, the app for Substack is pretty good. Um, I did not know. Yeah. There's a chat feature that they have enabled starting today. They're basically positioning it as a replacement for Twitter. So how it would work is I, as your newsletter author, would uh-huh. throw out like a topic. And then you guys could just hop on and start chatting away about it. So, uh, 
Sounds very uh, 2006. It sounds very much like it's a shout box, basically. <laughs> sounds like the Discipio message board. And I will admit that that is what made me think of a tweet that I sent today. I tweeted at our friend uh, Mike Brott and at, at, at his uh, former girlfriend, uh, Carrie Muscat. The two of them in the mm-hmm. same tweet. Right. And I asked them if they were going to sue if Elon rebrands Twitter as the Musk Box. Because he could. Nice. Nicely done. I haven't heard back from either one of them yet. I've got Mike's number. I should maybe make sure he, he's got these. Well, I've got Mike's got number. Email. Well, you know, don't want to pester him. Um, so anyway, so who knows? You may get, you may see, uh, you may get to start chatting on, uh, on pointless exercise. We'll just become the new Twitter. It'll be great. Could be. Right. It could be something. All right, so when the, the Bears are playing the uh, Miami Dolphins on uh, Sunday, and uh, cool. it is a rivalry that goes back all the way to 1971. So the rivalry is your age. How about that? Happy half a century Bears-Dolphins now, rivalry. People remember, I think, because it gets shoved in our face every year. Like if, when the Eagles finally lose this year. Are there any 72 Dolphins still alive? Are they alive? Uh, I, I think is Larry Zonka to, still around to, to the shock of probably any working actuary Mercury Morris is still amongst oh, yeah. the living yeah, I believe no a lot cocaine of people cocaine is a hell of a drug um, cocaine incarceration you know just so people remember they, they, they had a perfect season in 72 they won the Super Bowl again in 73 they were only founded in 1966 correct they were not an AFL charter franchise. They were an AFL expansion team. Yep. They are the, oh, how about this for a factoid that I learned just looking on Wikipedia a few minutes ago. They are the only team in the AFC North that is not a uh, charter AFC, member of the AFL. AFC East. AFC, they're, they're in the, oh wait, wait East, whatever they're, whatever they're at. God damn it. Yeah, it wouldn't be the North. That would be tough geographic. AFC East. They're the only ones. So that's who. The only ones that's, that's the, the Jets. That's the Bills, Jets, and Patriots. Those are all charter uh, AFL franchises. Right? You know the Patriots are? The Jets were the New York Titans originally. They had leather helmets. And Buffalo, I think, was one of the early competitors. All right. So I wonder how many – I'm just wondering how many it's, – it's fascinating that the AFL was allowed to get such a toehold for so long after, you know, years. We talked about how the NFL would quickly squash like the – all-American football conference and acquire the Browns and Colts and Niners that they didn't squash the AFL and in fact the AFL was allowed to expand and I think by the if what you're saying is that the Dolphins first year was 66 by the time they expanded the NFL had all had realized oh shit we we got you know the NFL then I think expanded around the same time with the Falcons uh, and the Saints and then realized we have to just you know there's well there's more they weren't actually being, you know, forced against their will. There was great, wonderful, you know, profitability and merging with them. Yeah, it but took, it took them, them a long, long. Well, and it took it took the NFL a very long time to learn the wonders of expansion fees. And once they <laughs> learned, once they learned, once the owners got a taste of that, like, they'd expand every year if they could. They don't. Yeah, it's win. the precursor to PSLs, right? <laughs> so yeah, the Bills were or the Bills, the Dolphins were only in the AFL for four years. Until they merged in the beginning of 1970. Okay. Um, 
Do you know who there were two the there were co-owners when they were founded? One of them they named the stadium after for a while. Joe Robbie. The other one um is it was a is well he's dead. Was a celebrity. I would know him. We would know him. Some of our audience. Oh yeah, you would know him. him. If I when I tell you who he is, you're gonna know who he is. Is it Pat Boone? No, I give you a couple of clues. Um uh, there's a <laughs> there's a sex act named after him, <laughs> which okay. involves a woman. <laughs> which involves the well, it doesn't have to be a woman and a man. It could be any two. It involves one sure. person laying under a glass coffee table. Oh, a Danny Thomas? <laughs> yes. Are you talking about the famous breakfast special, Eggs Danny Thomas style? <laughs> For chance, anyway, they may have grown up with the Steve Dollar show, might have kind of caught that reference. Yeah. The other hit was going to be that he, or his daughter, married into your family, right? The Donahues, except Phil Donahue, right, spell it the spells his name D O N A, right? Wow, wow, wait, is it? But that's not the Danny Thomas. That was the original part. Part yeah. original. Yeah, actor it was Danny Thomas. We well, had a bunch of money. Hey, I mean, he had, certainly American. had he certainly had AFL expansion team money. And think about how yes, much money right. that turned into when they became a, all of a sudden became yes. an NFL team. It it's probably helped awesome. fund his uh, the Children's Hospital or the St. Jude's, I think. Yeah, Wasn't it? Think about think about all the oh, glass yes. coffee tables he, he loved his glass coffee tables, but he also <laughs> he also helped the children. He did St. Jude's. Oh boy. <laughs> we've got, I, hope, I hope we've left enough clues in case anyone's <laughs> curious and they're not finding the results at their local library. But um, so wow, okay. So uh, the, uh, I'm just kind of curious. The Dolphins could not have been the only expansion team. There, there must have been two post uh, original AFL teams. But regardless, that would explain why the fact the Bears never really, you know, they don't go back. Of course, they would not have been playing AFL teams back then anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. But um, w- were they the first football team in Florida? They must have been, right? Yes, they're the oldest professional, oldest continuous, continuously operating professional sports franchise in Florida. Okay. So pretty, pretty early on, just like a lot of other expansion teams when you think about it, like the NFL's Dallas Cowboys, the NFL's Minnesota Vikings, that – Within five years of their expansion, they were an elite team. Yeah, they were up. because they they are first. They played in Super Bowl four against Tom Landry and Mike Ditka. That was one of the two quarter uh, Super Bowls that Roger Staubach won. They got skunked in that Super Bowl in January of uh, 1972, right around the time that a young Mike Donahue would have been born. And then, as you already referenced, would follow that up with a. Very fluky undefeated season and a, kind of an additionally fluky playoff uh, run. They were not that good, but whatever. Like the oh, 85 you know, Bears were off. I think the them. great Bob Greasy. I think oh Greasy was hurt from a lot of the undefeated season, right? Earl Morrill was played quarterback for them. Is that right? Yeah. Donnie brought him with. Do you know who the first coach in Miami Dolphins history was? Well, it wasn't Shula because he was still the uh, he wasn't he was not quite. Shula the t- wasn't dicking around with that AFL shit. He waited right. Until he, he was the an, NFL. he was an NFL guy that sort of brought shame to the NFL by uh, by sort of feeding into the Joe Namath myth and 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 
blowing Super Bowl three. But yeah, he was a longtime Weeb Eubank disciple. I think for you and I growing up, it always kind of felt like Don Shula and Tom Landry were like the two giants. They're in each conference. Uh, and it felt like they'd been there forever, and they kind of were. But Shula, like as you point out, was not the original coach of the Dolphins like Landry was for the Cowboys because he was a head coach of a already an elite NFL team. So, no, would I know? Would would would, would any of our listeners, audience, know who the the, the Dolphins' the first, Dolphins coach first coach is? Went to Northwestern. He played his entire NFL career for the Bears. He won four NFL championships with the Bears, 40, 41, 43, 46. He was first-team All-Pro in 1942, second-team All-Pro in 1943. Um, he Not was – who did he coach before? Just Not George Conner. Wow. What, was he uh, just a – a legendary Hallis disciple that was in the behind the scenes that we don't even know. I'm looking it up now because I'm not going to coach the. Uh, he coached the Detroit Lions to an NFL championship with Bobby Lane in '57. So the last. So I, I don't know who this guy. I never heard of this guy. He played for George Hallis. Went to high school. I'm looking George Wilson. George Wilson. The first coach of the Dolphins. First coach of the Dolphins. High school. He's a Chicago kid. Went to Austin High School. So George Hallis was probably scouting his ass. He was born in 1914, so that tracks because uh, uh yeah, it tracks. He went to he went to homecoming one year with uh, Virginia. Right, he did. He or he asked her out and was turned down <laughs> because Bronco Nagurski was making some moves apparently, but. Uh, yeah, if he was born in 1914, uh, basically when he's in high school, 1926, 27, George Hallis is building his empire, and George Hallis is probably aware of him if he's the kind of stud that would eventually become the first ever coach of the Dolphins. And what a hell of a long – so he was the coach of the Lions. The Lions, all right, as we've said, the Lions have won one playoff game since 1957, so today I learned – that their coach uh, in that 57 game was George Wilson, who played for the Bears in four championships and was the Dolphins' first coach. Just want to make sure I got that right. Quite an NFL. athlete. He also played a season of professional basketball for the Chicago Bruins. Whatever that okay. is. Is that pre-NBA? Poor George Wilson died in 1978. We were just kids. He only lived to be 64. Not a Hall of Famer, but he played on four NFL championships, you're saying? And he his, coached uh, an NFL champion? His Pretty, de- seems like an underrated guy. In 1960, he had to hire a new defensive coordinator for the Lions, and he hired Don Shula. What? Well, look at that. I, lo- I love that we do these, remember this crap, all this crazy shit we remember from the 80s and 90s, and I end up educating the hell out of myself. So there's a, there's an absolute sort of a tree going on there that Shula himself seemed like an antecedent. And yet he's branching off of this George Wilson. So, so what Wilson just, I don't know how he lost his job. Did, did Shula stab him in the back and get the, the or just, so they go back. Yeah. Well, wow. that's incredible. I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit verklempt. 
to learn about this fellow George Wilson, almost wondering why is he not in the NFL? He played on four NFL championship teams. For Christ's sake, he coached the goddamn Detroit Lions to an NFL championship. You know how hard that is? And he, uh, you know, he kind of... Well, unless he was, they won, they won championships in uh, fifty two and fifty three too. Oh. So no, he, he may have been a bit of a, may have been a bit of a glory boy that came in, you know. Uh, but he won it without Bobby Lane because Bobby Lane got hurt in that third championship. The Lions have only won, they've won four NFL titles in their lifetime. The first is in nineteen thirty five, and then they won three mm-hmm. in the fifties in the Bobby Lane era. But Bobby Lane, I believe, was injured for the 57 championship game when they beat the Browns. So he played that one, Greg Kudos Landry? He <laughs> was Greg Landry. Like when he had brown hair. <laughs> a young Greg Landry. There was never a young Greg Landry. And maybe George Blando was on the other sideline. But anyway, George Wilson, a, a heretofore uh, underrated NFL figure, uh, led the, the Lions to their last NFL championship without the services of Hall of Famer and former George Halas Castoff. Well, and he way. clearly he set the uh, he set the set the table for the Dolphins. For the yeah, the his Dolphins were three and eleven, four and ten, five and eight, three ten and one. And then Shula okay. took over in seventy, and they went ten and four, ten three and one, fourteen and yeah. one, twelve and two, eleven and three. Blah blah blah. They're a meat tenderizer. Let's see. Let's look at George Wilson's last season. Who did he have here? Yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear. He had Bob Greasy. Bob went 2 okay. six, one He had Jim Kick and Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris. Nick Bonacati. He had Dick Anderson. Wow. Bill okay. Stanfill. Former Bear coach, Wait. right? No. That's, well, Dick Stan- that's Dick oh. Stanfill. Bill's brother. Um, Tom, Tom Thayer does yes, a great Nick Bonacati, good old number 85. No Manny name. Fernandez. Wow. Holy shit, you're right. The the pieces were in place. And they would be Maybe, again. Uh, they would be again later for Wani in Miami. Right. Um the places were in pieces. Right. Or Steve Rosenblum once said the pieces are in pieces. <laughs> so the much like our our crap last week where our Tom Landry coached forever and then the Cowboys kept changing coaches except for uh uh, what's his name? The ginger dumbass. Um, uh, Garrett. Yeah, right. Garrett. They've had, they, the Cowboys have had two coaches only that have coached at least nine seasons. Dolphins had two coaches in their first 30 years. Including George Wilson, which is kind of you to include him because he was only there for like five. He's there for four. She was there for 26. In the 26 years since, they've had 11 coaches. Wow. <laughs> A couple of interims. Ooh, interim coaches. Other interim coaches. Even the Dolphins have had interim uh, coaches. Interim coaches uh, were. Uh, Let's see here. Any former Bears? Was Keith Armstrong a Dolphin coach? Why did he? Why did his? Uh, uh, Adam Gase was though. Oh, that's right. He took him to playoffs. Uh, interim coaches. Is that right? Interim coaches were Jim Bates, former. Uh, well, I don't know. Cowboy. Well, I was thinking of right. It was Bill Bates, right? That's Bill Bates, but You're he probably right. was because he 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 took over for Wani. Wani Wani got sent home a little early. Yeah, it's easy to forget that Wani was ten game, a Dolphins coach. No, it was seven was. games left in the old four season. Wani got the. Wani made it that long. Wow, he stretched an NFL coaching career that almost touched a whole decade. Todd Bowles was an interim coach. 
for three games when Tony Sperano, not Tony Sperano, Tony Sperano got whacked. Right. Uh, the great Dan Campbell was an interim coach when Joe Philbin got fired. He coached the Dolphins for 12 games. He won. He won. He was five and seven. I don't think he's won five games for the Lions in three years. <laughs> What a fun bunch. Uh, that's a lot of interim coaches. It is. Um, Still hoping the Bears get one someday. Not soon. So Joe... What's that? Not soon. But no, I do too. We've talked about it. That's why it's kind of a little bit of a white whale for us. Uh, the Bears have never had an interim coach. Um, Joe Robbie and... Um, Danny Thomas. Right, Danny Thomas. So, Joe Robbie Stadium, just a random memory, it opened in 1988. That's where the 1997 World Series ended, right, when the Indians lost, not against the Cubs. But Aramis Ramirez had a grand slam in that stadium. Fucking A, that's right, he did. And, uh, and in, a, also, in a playoff. It, that's the, right. Yeah, and that's also Ramirez bobbled that ball, and after Reminger was pitching, yeah. they got Castillo ran stadium. right into him. But the first Sunday night football game, I want to say, oh. in 1987 in ESPN. Oh, is that Bears-Dolphins? Bears-Dolphins. I it remember. Was the, the reason I remember that game is we had a satellite, we had our satellite dish by then. Out in the country. But we had, there was thunderstorms. And yeah, because so, it was August. And our, uh, we could not, like, the game kept coming in and out, depending on the uh, atmosphere. I remember that. Do you re- that was on you- TNT, right? I thought it was ESPN. I'm pretty sure it was ESPN. It was the debut of Joe Robbie Stadium, and it was the first ever Sunday night football game. And I look it up because I want to know because I want to tell you I know who at least one of the announcers was, and it was not a guy you would think of. And it might have been it's a guy you may have totally forgotten about unless I just clued you in with that. I don't. I can't even remember who the play-by-play or all I remember is that Roy Firestone was part of a three-man oh. booth. Oh, God. Remember Roy Firestone? He was considered the best interviewer in the business. He's a whole subplot in Jerry Maguire. Remember, because everybody would cry when they went on the show and Rod Tidwell, you're not going to make me cry, Roy. It was, yeah. If it was uh, the digital era, it'd be a meme. That's Roy Firestone making people cry. But he was the third wheel, third guy in the booth. Couldn't even tell you. So I'm pretty sure it was ESPN. It could be. TNT did not exist in was TBS did. Well, okay, it was TBS. They split. I know when uh, when Sunday night f- first started, the some Turner entity and ESPN split the schedule. Okay. I don't think that was in the beginning because in the beginning, that's a long time ago, 1987. Fucking Ronald Reagan was president. TNT did not YouTube exist. TV has no TBS was still showing TV programs five minutes after the hour. Well, I found the highlights from the 1987 game. Let's see if I can figure out where. It is preseason, right? There are actual highlights. Some some hilarious guy in 1987 oh. and actually broke oh, yeah, out his preseason game. VHS recorded a preseason. Well, it was historic. It was the uh, it was the christening of Joe Robbie Stadium. Well, I got the local feed here. Oh, there he is. It's theirs. Yeah, you're right. There's Roy Firestone. Who are the other guys? Let's see. Mike Patrick. 
I, th- I was going to say Mike. It's going to be Mike Patrick, Paul McGuire, and Roy Firestone. Let's see. Here's oh, Roy. okay. I see Roy. Who's sitting next to him? Uh, come on. Oh, and they're showing highlights from the from the loss in '85. Uh, right. They could have been showing. They could have been showing like Andre. Actually, I think it's just like, the two. I think it's just Mike Patrick and, and Roy Firestone. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe no, uh, there's somebody next to him. But they're going to cut away here. Oh, shit. But Joe Robbie Stadium is where the first ever official Sunday night football game uh, took place. Roy Fireson. Who thought that was a good idea? That's what I'm saying. In retrospect, it even seems more absurd. It was 89 degrees. There's, is that Fouad Reves kicking off? Fouad Reves. So the Bears would actually play them later, but maybe we should go back and see. Well, I'm going to listen to a little bit and see if we can hear him. Hey, turn it up. A linebacker on an obvious passing Could be a, a, a the, uh, They put the Dolphins radio call over it, so it's not going to solve me. Oh. Probably one of those assholes from the 72 team that show up in people's strangers' driveways and pop champagne. When... That is a good question, though. How oh, many guys okay. in the I found it. Dolphins alive? So you're right. ESPN had the first three years of Sunday Night Football. 87, 88, 89. In 1990, the NFL split its Sunday Night package between TBS and ESPN. For reported nine hundred million dollars for four years. It's a lot of money back then. Um, let's see. TBS will get three exhibition games each year, plus regular season games in the first nine weeks of ninety ninety two and ninety three, and the first eight weeks of the nineteen ninety one season. So I remember that I said the years wrong because that was okay. like that was Mark May and. Like he had just retired, I think. From the Redskins. Yeah. I don't remember who the play by play guy was. So I'm I'm slowly going through the seventy two Dolphins while we work through that. So far, Earl Morrow died in twenty fourteen, so he's dead. Bob Greasy, a father of former bear, Brian Greasy, whom we talked about recently, still alive. Oh, okay. Well, somebody yeah. there. I'm, just, I'm keeping tabs. Jim Delgazio, the third stringer, still alive, kicking it. The age of 78. Larry Zonk is probably still alive. I think he is. Yeah. Hey, born on Christmas, 1946. Just like Jesus. Right. Even though we all know Jesus was born in April. Right. And Mercury Morris is, in fact, still alive. alive. Yeah, his birthday is four days before mine. January 5th, 47. So there's still a few of those annoying. Yeah, around. whatever. Hey, we went undefeated. Oh, did Hopefully, you? they break their hip when uh, when the when the Eagles lose to the Bears uh, when I'm in attendance on December 18th this year. When the three and I'm gonna guess what three and eleven Bears upset the thirteen and zero. Do I have the math right? Three and ten Bears uh, upset the thirteen and zero. Eagles in week, uh, pretty sure it's 15. That's our annual guys Bears game, so don't expect me to 
come back with a faithful reporting. You know my other Bears game this year, Andy? This Sunday against the Dolphins. I've never seen the Dolphins. Oh, well. I'm a privileged kid that has been able to see the Bears play almost everybody in Soldier Field. I've never seen the Dolphins. They have a fun fun offense. Not even in preseason. They do. Should I take the over while I'm out it since I'm going out there? Uh, They might get the overall by themselves. That's what I'm thinking. Now the Bears are loaded up with offensive talent. It's going to be a shootout. I'm down. Shootout last week. 49-29. Yeah. Wasn't too dispiriting, but so the but yeah the Dolphins have been around since uh, they went, let's see they've been in the NFL since seventy, so fifth this is the fifty second year. Yep, the Bears and the Dolphins have played thirteen times. Yep, so I'm going to just throw out one because there aren't that many. We can get into some that you'll totally remember. But last week we talked about the Cowboys, and I talked about how in 1979. Um, I found myself finally consciously thrust into caring about the Bears after sort of them being in the background, but knowing who like teams like the Cowboys were and maybe the Raiders and shit like that. The Bears get off to a two and start in '79, and I'm really getting into it. And they face those evil damn Cowboys and they play them tough and they lose the end. And I was so angry as a seven year old kid. And then the next week they played the Dolphins, and it was like another dose of it because you kind of knew the Dolphins too. We already said like how Shula and Landry were both sort of iconic. The Dolphins themselves at that point they'd been in what uh, three Super Bowls in the seventies. They the AFC was three teams in the seventies. It was the Dolphins, it was the Raiders, it was the Steelers. And so, uh, so even though I'm new to football, I'm recognizing them. I'm seeing this team that I've just been born into challenging these like, like universal transcendent brands, the, the Cowboys first frustrating loss. And then the dolphins, the dolphins, unlike the Cowboys game the week before, pretty much just kicked the shit out of the bears uh, in week four. Who was, and, uh, who was playing quarterback for the dolphins back then? Well, it's still greasy. I'm pretty sure. I remember that fucking Coke bottle wearing glass, Motherfucker throwing the ball yeah. yards in the air. He is he a hall? He's a hall of famer. Yeah, right? he, wrote, he wrote the coattails. Yeah, of that. he's the it's he's the Harold Baines of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> they won it on defense, and, and he somehow they made stars out of their for, offense. Not for to so many years, he had the weirdest face mask too. It was. It wasn't a single bar. It was a double, but it was. It was like way too low, and the bars were too close together. And I think it was so it didn't fog. As he needed, like he needed some wind to keep his glass from fogging up. Because he had regular Coke bottle glasses. But you're right. You describe it perfectly. His face mask always looked like almost like a kicker, a, a place kicker's face mask. Yeah, it looked. It was one of those. It was super easy to just punch him right through it. It's like why do you? Why do you have it on? Son of a bitch! Who was, he is the, who was the punter? Was it? Um, well, we'll get into Reggie for the Cardinals Roby. for a long time. Somebody player, remember the punter's last name was Player, and he, uh, yes. he didn't even he had he still had the single bar, and he could move it, like he didn't even tighten it. He could like move it up and down, like he'd be lining for a punt, and he'd like move it so that it you know right, hey, we don't want the single bar blocking the ball. You're not gonna catch it. Nice, it's like you know, nice. I don't think that's all that safe. Um. Yeah, your uh, our our friend Mike Pusateri probably would not appreciate us taking a big giant shit on Purdue along Bob Greasy, but no, he, I, he, he, Bob Greasy sucked. He he's a Hall of Famer, 
and he, you know, I don't know how to measure it here. Twenty five thousand yards, so he's barely he's above Mike Phipps? the. He's barely right. He was. Big, Are they both in the Ring of Honor? Twenty five thousand yards would barely. He'd still be the Bears' all time leading passer, but barely. All right, and he's far from, of course, being the Dolphins' own for obvious reasons. Yeah, the Dolphins' uh, all time leading passer is uh, Chad Pennington, right? Yeah, correct. Yes, yes. I think it's. Uh, I can't think. Did Dan just, Marino throw for more yards in 1983 than any Bear has ever thrown for in their career? <laughs> no, 84 is a season. Or 84. That was the he threw yeah. for like 58 yards. That was the 48 touchdown season when that was unheard of. Yeah, they had that, but Greasy totally rode the coattails. I think it's fair to say to two Super Bowl championships, uh, and then in '79 he's still there. Zonka was not necessarily still there when he, they played the Bears. He was. Back, he had left the Bron- He had left the Dolphins, and then he came back. But the Dol, the, like I said, the Dolphins were pretty much they were an elite brand, which I, I think probably is not something we don't you know we we want to just ignore or not make too fine a point of because if you are a bit younger, that sounds as ridiculous as hearing that the Bears were may have once been a pre premier brand because the Dolphins, another team, right in the last thirty years. That somehow are more laughable than the Bears. Yeah, because the yeah, Bears, the Bears have been the Bears have been to two Super Bowls since the last Dolphins yes. Super Bowl, and uh, one of them right in their own stadium. Yeah, and Prince was there. Um, they have wanted it in. Yeah, great, and it rained. One of the only my brother was there, and it was the only one that rained. All right, so how I, I should have this committed to memory. How many yards? Uh, Johnny Morris, fifty-five hundred, right? That's the all-time. Uh, it's it's between five and six thousand, so you're close enough. I'll look it up, but yes. So in in 1984, Dan Marino almost threw for as many yards as Johnny Morris caught in ten years as a Bear. Dan how Marino many, threw for five thousand and eighty-four yards. Johnny Morris in one hundred and twenty-one career games, all with the Chicago Bears, five thousand fifty-nine yards, just oh, barely over five thousand fifty-nine. Five yes. five oh five nine, yep. Well, oh, Marino, Marino threw for more. Five thousand eighty four. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's like the, between the, the Bears yeah. playing the same sport as everybody else. A, qu- a quarter of a football field more than a man's <laughs> career that is amazingly still alive at the age of. Uh, if Johnny 80s, Morris had played on the eighty four Dolphins and caught every pass. The Dan Marino completed that year. He would have had more yards in that season than he got in his entire career with the Bears. And he's the greatest. Uh, he's the most productive Bear receiver of all time. Well, right. He is the all-time Bears leading receiver by yardage. How about this? When the Bears, <laughs> this I, I, I'm just obsessed with this with the 5,000 yards being the Bears all-time Me too. receiver. Me when too. The Bears Barely 5,000 yards. When the Bears man, traded for Chase Claypool. I was like, I immediately went and Googled, does he have more yards than Johnny Morris? No, he's got like, he's got like 1,900 career yards. Okay. But that's like that's two, two and a half seasons. Two, two and a half that seasons. literally probably puts him like 20th yep. in Bears history. But I, we've talked about it. He's like, never had um, a thousand yard season. He'd be the greatest Bears like wide receiver. He's Al already, Shot- he hasn't played a game yet. He's already the greatest wide receiver. In sure, that's correct. Elshon Jeffrey and both Elshon Jeffrey and even um, uh, our guy Marshall, right? Brandon Marshall, who are teammates, so they're sharing receptions only because it was a rare glimpse in which the Bears really try to be 
in the 21st century on passing, uh, did the bare minimum to basically threaten Johnny Morris, right? Because I'm pretty sure both of those guys are in the top 10. Yeah, neither one. I think actually Jeffrey is Jeffrey almost, if Jeffrey was able to stay one more season, he would be the bare, I'm pretty sure. And uh, by the way, yeah, Claypool, and you already look up uh, Claypool because they had 2,000 yards receiving already. He's almost halfway to Johnny Morris. <laughs> he might do old. it. Well, he's got. Well, he's got to start over now, though. Well, he's got to get the Bears yardage. Yeah, that's the that, that, that's the tricky part. Uh, let's see, Brandon Marshall, thirteenth all time in Bears history. How many yards? Three seasons oh, for the Bears. Three seasons. Three thousand five hundred twenty-four. Wow. Um, and he's the kind of guy that he's the kind of guy that almost could have done that in one more season. <laughs> Elshon Jeffrey played five years for the Bears. He's their third all-time leading receiver. Four thousand five hundred forty-nine yards. <laughs> one more season. If he'd have stayed one more year, been. he'd be the all-time yeah. leading receiver in Bear history. Oh man! Meanwhile, the Dolphins. So that he, know, is, behind, so he more... is behind a Hall of Famer, though. Number two is Harlan Hill. Oh, Harlan Hill is not a Hall of Famer. He's a Pro he Bowler. I thought he Mike was. Murphy. I thought he was. No, a Hall as, of Mike, Famer. as Mike Murphy would tell you, he was a Pro Bowler. Oh well, then he's not behind a Hall. There are no. The, so it's got to be Ditka, right? Maybe the. Hall of Famer with the most. Well, no, it's Peyton. Peyton, right? Because Peyton is still the, the all-time leader in reset number of receptions, though, right? Elshon must have passed he, him in his last game as a Bear because uh, he only has eleven Peyton, more yards than Walter. But Peyton is fourth in yardage. Wow. So you know, it's funny. The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? A running back oh, is seventh too on the list. But the more, but the more things change, the more they stay the same because in the early '80s. The Bears were plodding along. When we had a healthy McMahon, we had a good offense, but we were still plodding along. We had Peyton, but the Dolphins were like the absolute uh, prestige brand on offense, right? They were they were uh, with Marino, you know. So it kind of extended the Shula legacy because Shula. So Shula, here's Shula. Don Shula becomes a legend during the seventies. He goes to three Super Bowls. He's constantly in contention. He's got all these Hall of Fame players, Zaka, Manny Fernandez, uh, you know, Bonacati. And then he rolls into the 80s, goes to another Super Bowl against uh, the the Redskins after the 82 season with David Woodley and Don Strzok is, is his quarterback. And then they, they end up selecting Marino uh, as the sixth quarterback taken – uh, of six first-round quarterbacks that year. And then, of course, Marino takes him to the Super Bowl in his second season. And that would be Shula's last Super Bowl. But at that point in time, and that was at a point which we've established, that the Ditka era bears, the, the one era that we you know just joyously celebrate in our lifetime was becoming ascendant, was in that era where Don Shula was still an absolute fucking giant and he was taking teams in the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that would have been you know in '84, still, still going. That would that would turn out to be it for him. He'd coach for another decade, but uh, at that point he was already a legend. So when we were kids, Shula was you know up there. It was Shula, Landry, Chuck Knoll, Bud Grant. Um, um, I was just looking to see what the the Dolphins were nine and. Wait a minute, is this before the game or after the game? And you, you jump into 85? Well, 
Well, just for a second. But actually, before I get to that, I wanted to uh, one more. I want to make fun of the Bears receivers one more time. <laughs> this is how Never bad it is. Old. Their top two receivers of all time are listed on Pro Football Reference as playing positions that don't exist anymore. Flanker. Johnny Morris, flanker. Harlan Hill, left end. Oh, my God. Yeah. You then, mentioned it. And then you get down here to Jim Dooley. He's 15th. He's listed as R.H. Right halfback? It's probably right halfback, yeah. From the old T formation. You got a right uh, half and a left half. I love that pro football reference. We'll, we'll bother to track that down. And I don't love the fact that the Bears' 15th all-time leading receiver <laughs> is listed uh, under a position that hasn't existed since the Truman era. It's the Truman administration. I do think the, uh, I mean, there's a lot of greats when you get into the, like the 150s. Uh, Chris Gedney, 307 yards. Who among us? Uh, hey, we're going to do the Bills before Christmas Eve. Anyone anyone out there recall the Chris Gedney one-handed catch against the Bills was in 1994? Was that, was that the game where he ruptured his spleen in his career? Probably, out? but it, it was worth it. Um, Red Grange. 158th in all-time Bears. is 288 <laughs> yards. Here are players Wait. players with the Bears who had more yards receiving than Red Grange. They include <laughs> Demir Bird last year, Dontrell Inman, Terry Obie, oh, uh, let's old, see, Brandon Lloyd, former Illini oh, star. Brandon U of I, yep, yep. Jeremy Langford, Curtis Enos, former Spartan, Devin Aromashadu, the Cos, Golden Richards. Uh, was, former star honestly, it's a, star, it's a star-studded list. Bob Parsons. Oh, Bob Parsons. Former tight end punter. Uh, did he get more yards than Red? A few. And Red Grange. No, fewer. Red. Red out did it oh. by about fifty yards. Bob Parsons played for the Bears for nineteen years. But he was no, a punter for nine. What's nineteen? For, for you know, 11, the, eleven years. Who, eleven years. Who the hell? I want to know who the hell was even throwing the ball to Red Grange. Wait. Nobody. That's why he only had 288 yards. They didn't. Even, they hadn't invented the forward pass yet, and he had more yards. He had more yards receiving than um, than uh, Rashawn Salam. Sam Hurd. Oh, Matt. here you go. Say, tell this. Uh, Sam, I think listens to this podcast in the federal prison in Texas. Sam, you had less former NIU star. You had less career receiving yards than Red Grange. 109. And then Sam would say, "I went to NIU. You need to say fewer." Yards. Oh, here's your favorite player of all time, Pug Rentner. Rentner. Oh, sure. Pug Rentner played for the Bears in 1937. He's listed as a B. He's he sounds like an He's orphan that murdered. His, he beast. sounds like an orphan that murdered his parents that showed up on George Hallis's uh, doorstep and on, on, on Sheridan Road in 1939. Who do you think of of all the Bears who ever caught a pass? Who has the fewest yards? In Bears history, Jim Flanagan. This is a border. No, it's a, well, no, but he's Flanagan. I saw he's up he there. Had, this guy had negative yards. Flanagan had positive yards. He is a, a bear of recent vintage who is a borderline Hall of Famer. Oh my God! I'm I'm gonna I'm not. And I would love to see the video of him catching a pass because I mean he had to be lined up legally. Oh, it's not a. It's he not spent a most of his time. He touched the ball on every offensive play, and on one play, he got to finish the play with the ball. Uh, now I'm lost. Olin Krutz. 
Oh. One catch for oh. minus eight yards. Wow. A forward pass that he lost eight yards on. Yes. Other Bears with negative yardage totals for their career. Kyle for Long, their career. Kyle Long okay. caught one pass. It's got to be a company. deflection, right? Olin caught a deflection uh, pass behind the line. Right. Rex Certainly Grossman, minus four. Yeah, caught in his hands. Um, and Ed Brown, minus six. Okay. Ed Brown was also a quarterback, I believe. Yes, he was. That's usually getting bad in your hands. You remember that one time that I'm going uh, to close the all-time Bears uh, receiving yards tab, or I will never talk about anything else. Okay. Yeah, well, I have to do a quick segue now that I'm reminded of great moments in fantasy football history for whomever had Brad Johnson in whatever year it was when he was still with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I would say like 1999, where he threw a pass that got knocked into his arms and he ran around. He, he pulled a Chester Markle second consecutive week. They were making a Chester Markle reference. So he, uh, there's no other way for a, a, a system to compute that other than a passing and a receiving touchdown. Now my, my favorite personal fantasy football moment of all time was a, a then cowboy who would have, who would kick briefly for the bears. Who, Chris Boniel. Chris Boniel. I was going in. Now you told the story before oh, yeah. going into the final, you know, the, the night, I'm down by 20 points, and the only guy I've got left, the only guy either one of us has playing is Chris Boniel, and he kicked seven field goals, and I won right. that point. Much, a much more positive memory than the fact when, than the time that I sat in an old <laughs> shithole Soldier Field in 1999 for a wild-ass Jim Miller throws for 400 yards game against the Vikings in which the Bears could not close it out because Boniel missed like a 38-yarder in overtime. Uh, former Bear kicker Eddie Pinheiro had quite a week for the Panthers. They, uh, the Falcons kicked a field goal to take a lead on them late, and um, yeah, I saw that. Wait. And then amazing pass. That was Eddie Pinheiro? Yes, amazing pass to DJ Moore. He catches it, uh, takes his helmet off, celebrate, yes. gets a penalty. Eddie comes out, misses the extra point. They go to overtime. In overtime. Eddie has a kick to win the game, misses it. Falcons kick a field goal and win. That was our old buddy Eddie Pinero. Is your uh, is your personal contact still involved? I don't know. I thought about it when I saw him because my uh, uh, a volleyball teammate at DePaul of my niece dated Eddie when he was a bear. All right, that's why I ask. And I do not know if that's okay. Just curious. I can guess that it's no, but who knows. Yeah, kids, young so, uh, kids in love. Right. So I referenced uh, my seven-year-old ass watching in frustration. The Bears get skunked in 79. I don't believe the Bears, the fucking Dolphins, played again until 85 because the not. Bears were playing that fifth-place schedule in 82. and or I think the strike, they may, they, they may have been slated. No, nah, the Bears were last place in 81. So again, the Dolphins were like a novelty, and then by '85, we don't care about the Dolphins well, in '79. Young them. Young Huey would have been um, rooting terror again. The, the Dolphins quarterback had a nice tan. It was Don Strock. He was 12 of 17, 207 yards, and their kicker. Wow, was the great. Uwe von Schaumann. Uwe von Schaumann. He he's been brought up before. to remember this crap. Oh, oh, we get to play a game of did Bob Thomas miss an extra oh, point? Oh, good point. He had to have. He didn't. Because he did. He, okay. made, he made, he was perfect. Made his only extra point and made all three field goals. Okay. So it wasn't day. Bob Thomas's fault. Banner day for Bob. Yeah. 
And uh, we didn't happen to have a Vince Fipsolini, right? Uh, not all three of those quarterbacks played in that game. Um, nope, two did. Vince and Bob. The two. No, okay, no. Vince and Bob. Uh, Mike Phipps was still recuperating. You know, trying not to show up his old college alumnus. <laughs> He's probably standing on the other sidelines. They went right. to put him in, but he was over there looking for, looking for Pretty Bob. sure Mike Phipps came right after Hey, guys, anybody Bob seen he... Greasy? He doesn't play for us anymore. Right. Oh, exactly. I'm just going to stay Phipps, over here. All right, good. Phipps was the th- I think Phipps was the third pick in the draft, in the uh, 69 draft, in which the Bears, uh, because the Bears won their only game against the Steelers at Wrigley Field in 69, they did not, you know, not that they would have taken Terry Bradshaw, but Mike Phipps was the third pick trade. So Mike Phipps was to come right after Bob Greasy at Purdue. Um, But, but yeah, so yeah, whereas pick. in the third pick, right? Third the Bears pick traded the- theirs. Yes, to to Cleveland. Yes, I think we went through this but, list because that one pops out. So uh, Terry Bradshaw, first overall, Mike McCoy of the Packers, defense Green, Green Bay. That's what it was. That's what number two. Packers. Mike Phipps, number three to the Browns. Phil Olson, defensive tackle to Boston, and number five, the Buffalo Bills take L. Cowlings. Right. You know, excellent this, drive. You know this is it's AC. Damn it. Right, much like uh, Raymond Babbitt, from yeah, an excellent driver, AC Collins. <laughs> so yeah, thirty-one um, sixteen that game in '79 down there in the yeah. So and the, but the Bears recovered, would make the playoffs, and then get punched in the face, and then go back into the shitter. But then Jim Finks was still working and churning shit over, and then the Mike Ditka thing miraculously worked out, and then the next time they meet was a very iconic moment. And I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. The 12 and 0 bears and the eight and four dolphins. Yeah. Eight and, four. and the dolphins, you know, were the defending AFC champions. They, in fact, to this day, they were coming off. It would still be their last Super Bowl appearance. They were the cream of the AFC. So, yeah, like I said earlier too, Shula rode this team in the seventies. Great defense, had some stars on offense, and then lucks into Marino and then rides it again, but only gets one Super Bowl out of it. But the Dolphins are a premier brand, and this whole bullshit about the 72 Dolphins is very much fervent. Oh, and they were there. And then, of course. And they were, they like were standing there they, on the yeah, sidelines. Yeah. It, it, think about it, kids. It was a, it's a very much made-for-media moment. It was, it was exciting regardless of, you know, how overblown it might have been or how frustrating it turned out to be. Bears, um, Bears played without Jim McMahon, as they did occasionally. Often. often. And they were, uh, it was the, there was a Nat Moore 33-yard touchdown pass from Dan Marino. Fouad Reves made the extra point. Then Steve Fuller Early on. run, so it tied it up at seven. Things are going fine. Then Fouad made a 47-yarder, 10-7. Pretty long back then. Good for Fouad. Then Ron Davenport had a one-yard run. Fouad made the extra point. I'm just going to say Fouad because I like to. Kevin oh, Butler made a field goal of 17 to 10. Yeah, we're hanging in there. It's and... not as close. Right. But I, I, well, let's put it in context real quick because and then within, f- within 40 seconds, there was, was a Ron Davenport touchdown and a Nat Moore touchdown. And it was 31 to 10 at halftime. Was the Nat Moore touchdown off of Hampton? Was that the one off of Hampton's shoulder pad? Well, or I, I mean, I know Nat caught a pass that bounced off Hampton. I guess it was, okay. that was a touchdown. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, he caught two, I think, in the game. 
Okay. It wasn't the first one. It was the second one because that's. I think that it had to be because that was like the oh fuck you know what you know now look at the stuff that's happening. Now. Well, and, and, and here's the thing: we talked last week for for listeners uh, that you know, are tuning in that might know this. Last week we talked about the Cowboys, and that was like the the Bears had been reaching a fever pitch, uh, and they went ten and zero. The Cowboys like was such a pronounced victory. And it had the sort of arbitrary 10th win of the season. The Bears are 10-0. And then they beat the Falcons the next week, 36-0. They're 11-0. And then they must have beaten somebody else, right? Because they come in. Did you say they yeah, came in this game 12-0? Okay. So they are like absolutely they were they, they needed to probably lose. I hate to say it. It sounds convenient now, but they were due for a loss. Uh they were flying pretty fucking close to the sun, it seems like in retrospect. But it was weird, though. Even though they got punched in the face early in the season, early in games against the Buccaneers and the Redskins and the Vikings, they got punched in the face against the glory boys of Dan Marino and the and Dolphins, and they, they didn't, they couldn't quite recover, it felt like. That was the feeling at the time. It was like they kind of got put on their heels. And it happened earlier in the season, but you didn't worry about it because nobody gives a fucking flying fuck about James Wilder and the Buccaneers right. and Tommy Kramer and the Vikings, and we're going to come back. But when Marino and the Dolphins did it and all those assholes standing on the sideline, you got to say there's probably a little bit of an effect there, and it got a little weird. It just felt weird as fans watching on Monday Night Football, which was still a relatively recent experience for us. And uh, yeah, it's just very, very uneasy night. It's probably the best way to put it. A couple us. of famous things happened. McMahon came in late, I'm sure, yeah. to try to rally them, and really Selfish. pissed Ditka off because he kept he was kept changing the place to runs because he was trying to get Walter. It was Walt that would that would end up being Walter's eighth consecutive hundred yard game. 34-year-old ass Walter Payton breaking new records. So McMahon was pissing. He's like, he's basically in the huddle going, fuck it, we're not going to... He's acting like we're going to catch up. They needed to lose. I hate to Change say it. Runs. Yep. Walter would rush for 100 yards the next week against the Colts. And then um, then his streak would end at 9. The Jets yep. held him to 53 yards and a 19-6 Bears win at... On a Saturday. The Meadowlands. On a Saturday. I'm telling you. It is, because six days after the Colts game. Yeah. Um, the other famous thing that happened was they fly back to Chicago, and the next day they record the Super Bowl shuffle. Yep. So if you're thinking that the Bears players took this loss hard, not so much. Nice. That's true. The other, <laughs> They weren't the exactly other... reeling. They then sang about how it was inevitable they were going to win the Super Bowl and feed the needy. Right. So all these motherfuckers all hung over, pissed off, coming off. Not all of them. Not all of them were in favor of it. Like, you know, there's some guys that didn't like the look. But, yeah, for the most part, they didn't give a fuck. Well, and then Walter and, uh, Walter and McMahon didn't show up for the video. So that's why they're when you watch the video, they're very clearly <laughs> yes. digitally added to the video. There was one more famous thing that happened in the Monday night game. That that was one of uh, William the Refrigerator Perry's first truly national commercial debuted that night for McDonald's, and he sat in uh, with Steve McMichael and Dan Hampton, and then lifted up the table. And my brother was quick to point out that in real life, Dan Hampton and Steve McMichael are not going to be that intimidated by the fridge, <laughs> but it was marketing. But it debuted that night. Everything was reaching. 
a fever pitch. The Bears needed to probably get held in check. It's all makes it makes the narrative that much more uh, authentic, I suppose. Which might sound like a cop out. So but, yeah, the whole okay. but the whole idea was that the Dolphins had they had cracked the code on the forty six defense. Damian had this huge game, and yeah. if they ever faced each other again, they would win it. Buddy was basically like, "Ah, fuck that." They what they did right. was they ran a bunch of quick passes to try to try to get the ball out before Dan could get murdered. Right. He was fourteen of twenty seven. Yeah, got sacked three good. times. He, he, he over two hundred seventy yards of three touchdowns. But right, um, that's interesting. You know, it's funny because yeah, even by now by eighty five five standards, fourteen of twenty seven is not awful. By today's standards, it right. is. By Dan Marino, 85. Slightly standards. over that is 50%. Not a good game. No, it was right. not a good game for Marino. But he got that. He got the deflection off of Hampton's uh, shoulder pad, which kind of, you know, that was like the, the the ground ball going through Durham's legs. You just had to resign yourself to it um, and realize, yeah, that uh, let him have it. And then, of course, you know, the Dolphins, they were elite, and they went to the conference title game, so everybody expected a rematch in the Super Bowl. And Which I think the Bears would have gladly. I know. It would have been. It would have been. It been it, honestly, even more so today than back then, I'm convinced. It would have been something sweet if that happened. As sweet as the 46-10 against a... You know, but that was the thing. It was like beating up on the Patriots back then. We made it very clear. We broke down the Patriots. If you know what we're talking about, go ahead and go back and listen a couple weeks. They were such a weird, nondescript fucking franchise. Nothing like the franchise today. When the Bears facing the Super Bowl, they had no business being there. And the Bears humiliated them beyond what they even deserved. And it wasn't the Bears' fault that they, you know, that the humiliation took place. They shouldn't have been there. They had no business upsetting what was it? The the Jets and then the Raiders and then the Dolphins. That was to that was you know it was it should have been a low point in Boston history and then it was quickly forgotten because Bill Belichick arrived. But uh, that Super Bowl probably should have been the Bears and Dolphins. It would have been much more entertaining and the Bears still would have kicked the shit out of them, right? Yeah. So um, it was a big game for Dolphins punt returner Tommy Vigorito. See on the Sopranos. One return for four yards, but I'm sure it was important, whatever it was. <laughs> Most important four yards of the game, Tommy Vigorito. So the next time the Bears and Dolphins would play, 1988. The very season opener, there was a brief period of time. Let me just say, between every season between 84 and 93, the Bears always opened the season at home. And then once the Ditka train got rolling, they always won at home. But for a while, they always opened at home against the AFC. So they won the Super Bowl, and then they opened against the, opened up against the Browns in 86. And then, uh, well, 87 was an exception because we broke that game down. But they opened up against the, uh, the, the Dolphins in 88. They beat the Bengals in 89. But, yeah, 88 was the first game after which uh, the McCaskey family decided to put real grass in Soldier Field. So, and it was also, as it turns out, the first game in which the Bears finally fucking beat the Dolphins. That did not happen until 1988. So, and it was a resounding victory. The Bears won 34 to seven. It felt good. A couple of Neil Anderson touchdown runs, a couple of Jim McMahon touchdown runs, and Thomas Sanders capped off yeah. the scoring with a 30 with a 20 yard touchdown run, and then Kevin Butler got his extra point blocked. 
Dan Marino oh. in that game, 9 of 22 for 113 yards. And his, wow. backup, his backup came in to finish the game in the blowout. And it was... Backup in 88? Yes. A former Super Bowl quarterback but, no. for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ron Jaworski? Ron Jaworski. One for three for 15 yards. Wow. And Neil ran for wow. 123 yards. Um, Dennis McKinnon, four passes for 76 yards. He's still playing in 88. McKinnon? I was amazed McKinnon was still playing in the uh, Monday night lid lifter in 87 against the Giants. He caught a touchdown, I believe. Or he did something else. He hit a punt return for a touchdown. I can't believe McKinnon was still playing in 88. Just makes me love him more. Still, uh, still, we right, we can we can agree on this until further notice. Still, a elite Bears team by '88. Even yeah. though maybe there were holes, but Wilbur was gone, Peyton was gone, as you said. Anderson was a leading rusher. It felt good to beat the shit out of Dan Marino because you know he was a national hero. A few years removed from a Super Bowl appearance. Villain in the '85 game, future Hall of Famer, and uh, now it, you kind of expected that. You know the Bears always got off to good starts when the seasons when the seasons began. So, but it was still uh, gratifying. It, it, I didn't even realize that until recently. It was the first time ever that the Bears had beaten the Dolphins. So they've never beaten. Them. They played again in '91 at Soldiers Field. Such a frustrating game. I remember this game. And it was a a clash of superstar quarterbacks. Dan Marino and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Bears had a 13-3 to lead at the end of the third quarter. I just remember them blowing this game somehow. I can't remember how. They had the game in their hand. Like a lot of games in the late Ditka era. They just couldn't fucking close the door. Pete Stoyanovich kicked a uh, 22-yard field goal. With uh, just, just seconds into the fourth quarter, it was a really co- sorry. Go ahead. I say with a minute fifty-one left, Farrell Edmonds, the great Farrell Edmonds, got a two-yard pass from Dan Marino to tie it, and no. went to overtime. And in overtime, Pistoyanovich kicked a twenty-seven-yard field goal for the winner. Well, I got to give Marino credit. He he is a Pittsburgh kid. It was a cold fucking game. I remember this because Don Shula had like the big puffy. So it was only it was like late November. I want to say it was like uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I'm looking at it now, November 24th. The conditions were not good, even by Chicago stand. It was colder than usual, even for November 24th. So it was like a shitty, like sleety kind of kind of cold, windy, and I, uh, we're probably not going to get to the the autopsy or the bottom of it. I just remember that the Bears had the game in hand. I can just see from the line score. They had a uh, thirteen to three lead. I think you already said that thirteen to three lead yep. after three, and they just, you know, Dolphins scored ten points. So, just another reminder of just how impotent the the post Super Bowl era Ditka era Bears teams were, especially late in the season. They just could not fucking close the deal. And the Dolphins are still you know, not even that good. The Bears were what nine and two coming in, like you said. They gave the lines. They they gave the Dolphins a lifeline. They did that so often. Oh boy, here it is. Um, 
The Miami Dolphins got a break in the fourth quarter, but they didn't need any help in overtime. Pete Stoyanovich, 27-yard field goal on the first possession of overtime Sunday. The Dolphins beat the Bears 16-13. Miami, 6-6, kept its playoff hopes alive on Dan Marino's two-yard touchdown pass to Farrell Edmonds in the final minutes of regulation after Jerry Fontenot's snap went over the head of Chicago punter Maury Buford. (sighs) Buford tried to punt the ball anyway, but it was blocked by Mark Logan, and the Dolphins took over on the Chicago four-yard line. Uh, Bears could have been ten and two after that game. Again, Bears are probably a paper tiger, and there's a reason they blew that game to begin with. But I, I just remember the anguish of watching watching that that old fuck Don Shula on the Bears sideline, right? Because you know they beat him in '88. He's got his puffy jacket, and they had them dead to rights, and they let him off the mat. The Bears had a 50-yard field goal attempt at the end of regulation, but Kevin Butler's kick fell short. Yeah, sorry, butthead. So they would have faced each other again in '94, a year of the Bears. Wani took the Bears to the playoffs. I can't even remember the Bears playing the Dolphins in '94, unless the uh, unless the that was pre-expansion. The Bears, the Dolphins might have been shitty and, and had a fifth-place schedule. No, well, yeah, the year before and not, maybe. Was it and not a, yeah, '93. The Bears were five and four. The Dolphins were seven and two. What year? Ninety four. Oh, they did play in ninety four. The Bears rolled into town, and uh, they t- let's see. They took a fourteen six lead in the fourth quarter on a Lewis Tillman one yard run. Oh, let me tell you about Keith Jackson. Caught an eleven yard touchdown pass from Dan Marino with uh, nine fourteen left. Is he a and former Packer or future with- Packer by then? I think he started with the Dolphins, right? Yeah, you're right. And you're then right. With 59 seconds to go. Kevin Butler made a 40-yard field goal. The Bears beat the Dolphins. I don't remember that Bears Dolphins. I know they played the AFC East that year. I know that they played them in '97 because that was when the Dave Wanstead Bears snapped their 0-7 uh, start to the season on Monday Night Football. Was it right? Didn't the Bears win their first game in '97 against the Dolphins? I have to. I got to pull it up here. Sorry, I'm, I'm lagging a little bit here. Long oh day. yeah, that's exactly it. The uh, the '94 game, Steve Walsh outdueled Dan Marino in that one. Steve Walsh took us to the playoffs. Oof. So Marino again. The Marino was there as late as '94, huh? He was there in '97. Uh, Bears Jesus. and Dolphins in uh, October. The Bears were 0 and 7. The Dolphins were 5 and 2. And the Bears was a was a wild one. Raymond Harris scored early. Jeff Jager was kicking for the Bears. Jarris McPhail, McPhail, whoever that is, Andy McPhail's uh, illegitimate son, had a seventy-one yard touchdown run. Right, and he's still like rubbing his wounds from the Bears' zero and fourteen start from that season. Jager made another field goal. Dan Marino fumbled out of the end zone for a safety. God, Marino. Like, Jarris McPhail. I don't caught, an- caught a touchdown pass. Ooh. I cannot even remember Marino still quarterbacking as late as 1997. God bless him. Terrell Buckley had a 22-yard fumble return. They went for two. Oh, I guess try to make up the try to make it 20 to 18. Why would you try to go for two? Why do you want to be up by two instead of one? Is Don Shula still the coach, by the way, on the other side? Let's see, 97. I think he is. Because like Jimmy Johnson was a Jimmy. Jimmy started. Oh, was Jimmy, Jimmy took over ninety six. So, so Wani's coaching against his old. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, this was a maybe. So a maybe very, Jimmy, let, maybe very, Jimmy let him win. 
Actually, nice. I know that never would have happened. Exactly. No. Uh, let's see. Wow. Yeah, the Buckley 22-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Then Troy Drayton caught a 22-yard pass from Marino, and now the Dolphins are up 26-18. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I follow him on Twitter, right? The old uh, Lou Alcindor. Yeah. Oh, wait, what? He, he had a two-yard touchdown run, and that was going to ice it. That put the Dolphins up 33-18. to Nothing to worry about. But then, in the final four minutes of the game, first an Eric Kramer eight-yard pass to Bobby Ingram for a touchdown, and then with uh, a minute 25 to go, Chris Penn caught a 25. Sean Penn's brother. Caught a, yep, he's dead now. Caught a 25-yard right. pass from Kramer. Um, Bears had to go for two to tie it. And Bobby Ingram wow. caught, a, caught a pass from Eric Kramer, sent it to overtime, and in overtime, Jeff Jager made a 35-yard field goal. How many field goals did Jager kick? Five? And, and the Four. Bears, in the same year in which the Cubs started the season 0-14, yeah. the Bears oh, snapped their 0-7 start. At least the Bulls were if, like I said, if it wasn't for the Bulls, it would yeah. easily be the worst year in Chicago sports, 1997. The Bulls Winning it all for their fifth out of six championships kind of nullifies it. But so that was the Bears' the first ever win streak. In fact, that, that gave them three wins in their last four games against the Dolphins. Probably what saved Wanstead's job because, as you've established, by no yeah, metric should he have ever no. been retained after the season, and yet they, they 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 ran him back out the next year. Yeah. So. Two thousand two. No, two thousand. They're not face. So maybe then the, the yeah, they're not playing. They should have. They should have faced each other in two thousand, unless the Dolphins were on a fifth place schedule. It's pre expansion. So two thousand two. Another huh? another Bears good, another Bears. really good Bears team. Uh, in Champagne, I'm guessing. Bears were three and nine. They went down to Pro Player Stadium. It wasn't even Joe Robbie already. It was already it was already renamed. It was Pro Player Stadium. No recollection. Let's uh, play the uh, seven and five Dolphins. Oh, a matchup! Oh, this was this was a keeper. We got to find the video of this. Um, the quarterbacks, uh, four quarterbacks played in this game. The three who I'm played, already laughing. Three who played for the Bears: Chris Chandler, Jim Miller, and Henry Burris. And the Dolphins quarterback, Jay Fiedler. Oh my God! Uh, they were no match for Jay Fiedler. Uh, the uh, Dolphins cruised an easy twenty-seven to nine win. Ricky were Williams, the Dolphins even any good that year? Uh, then win made him eight and five. Is this, the bear? Is this Wani? Who's their coach? The Bears. Uh, yeah, this is Wani. Wani getting his revenge yeah. against the Bears. That game was on Monday Night Football. I remember it now. In fact, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, two hour video of this game. Oh yeah, I'm never gonna watch. Yeah, that. I just, I just pasted it for you. Oh good, no, no, don't. I'm gonna. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna burn my you, laptop. So that's right. That was Wani's revenge in 2002. Uh, in Miami, and it didn't matter because the Bears. Uh, so the Bears had, you know, come off that unlikely division-winning season the year before, and then J- Jim Miller could stay healthy. Dick Duran, he's a, um, he's an optimist. Marty Booker caught a six-yard pass from Burris with 44 seconds left in the game to cut, to make it 27 to nine. So Dick, doing the math, is like, oh, if we go for two, we'll only be down by. Only down by 16. Yeah. We're just two more touchdowns and two more two-point conversions in the last 44 40 seconds. seconds. So they went for two, but they didn't make it. Oh, shoot. Now we're down three yeah. scores. Yeah, it's, uh, now it's over. Shit. We were so close. Uh, uh, 
You know, luck, luckily for Jerron, by virtue of the fact that he won that unlikely division the year before, he would be guaranteed another season beyond the 2002 season. But, you know, we don't really say too much bad about Dick Jerron. He was probably the the finest human being who's been a Bears coach. And not a bad coach, but just a right. weird period. He of got the job under weird circumstances. And he did. He did. He kept it under weird circumstances. He did. Then he had the to coach the Lions. Oh, the poor All right. It's like, yeah, he's thinking, yeah, his whole life is like working for the Adams family. He's pushing the rock up the up the hill there, Sisyphus. Exactly. So now I can just tell you, because now we're in the post-expansion, so now you play the AFC every four years. So my math tells me that after 2002, the next time the Bears play the Dolphins is the year in which we went to the Super Bowl. Right. And I'm going to say that, that the Dolphins ruined their undefeated season and their head coach was Nick Saban in 2006. The 7-0 and Bears took on the 2-5 and Dolphins at Soldier's Field. The Dolphins were in, were ill prepared for the buzzsaw they were about to run into. Oh no, they didn't. They uh, nope. And you know, so this was like a few weeks after. This was the, the Marty Booker revenge game. There's that, but also it was like a few weeks after the October sixteenth Monday night game against the Cardinals. And I, I only know that it's October sixteenth because that's my wife's birthday, and we were seeing Paul Simon at the uh, Rosemont Theater when uh, the Bears were. Uh, making Dennis Green realize that they were who they thought they were. But that was a horrible Rex Grossman game. And there was another horrible Rex Grossman game on the road in Minnesota that the Bears won. But this was the first horrible Rex Grossman game in which the Bears could not recover. Wait, and it was at this home. Is not, this is not a horrible Rex Grossman game. He, he was fine. He was 18 of 42 for 210 oh yards God. and three interceptions. And okay. I'm sure he fumbled eight times because of his tiny little doll hands. Tiny hands, right? And he blamed his receivers. Um, and and he had to he went up against one of the great quarterbacks in Dolphins history, Blake, Joey Harrington. Blake? Oh my God! The, at this point, the and Joey line. had a great game. Joey was 16 to 32 for 137 yards and two interceptions, but he also threw three okay. touchdown passes. He threw so, touchdown passes uh, to Marty Booker, to um. West oh, Marty Booker was with the Dolphins. Yeah, that was the Marty Booker revenge game. I forgot all he caught, about He that. started the scoring for the Dolphins. The Bears were up three nothing. Oh, Marty caught a five yard touchdown pass. Yep. Then Jason Taylor uh, returned to Rex interception twenty yards for a touchdown. That's always good to throw into the defensive end. Right. Moose got oh. the Bears back within fourteen to ten at halftime. Then Welker caught a touchdown pass. Robbie kicked a field goal. Chris Chambers caught a touchdown pass, and Alindo Mare wow. made a field goal to end it. Wow. The Bears were. The Bears were beaten uh, soundly, thirty-one to thirteen, by a terrible Dolphins team. And they were terrible. So, but the fact remains that uh, the only two seasons in which the Bears went to the Super Bowl, their uh, destiny for an undefeated season was spoiled by the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, right. Well, so are you saying that if they lose on Sunday to the Dolphins, it means they're going to the Super Bowl? They're going to, they're going to turn it around. I love it's it. going to happen. Oh, it's great. Yep. Let's see. Next oh. time they played 2010. Now the playoff year. That's a Thursday night game. The 6-3 and three when, Bears. When Brandon Marshall was on the Dolphins. And the 5-4 and four Dolphins. Yep. That's a Thursday and, night oof, game. This must have been fun watching. Bears win 16 to nothing. Six to nothing at halftime. Nine to nothing at one point. 
three Robbie goal field goals, and then Matt Forte scored with a couple minutes left in the third. Nobody scored in the fourth. Makes uh, me nostalgic it for was Jay uh, Cutler yeah. against Tyler Thigpen. Uh, that's right. Oh my God. Jay, uh, sixteen to twenty-five, one hundred fifty-six yards, no touchdowns, interception. Tyler, 20, seventeen to twenty-nine, one eighty-seven, and one interception. Uh, Matt Forte ran for ninety-seven yards. Johnny Knox uh, hadn't broken his back yet. He Great caught paralysis. five for fifty-five. Devin, he would. Devin caught four passes for forty-one yards. Yeah, and Greg 2010. Olson, four for four. Greg Olson, yeah, in his final seat. Wait, well, that was the year the Bears were in the playoffs. Olson caught a touchdown. He was there a little bit longer, but yes, twenty ten. This is NFC Championship game, right? Season. That's right. That's right. So, did they play in 2014 then? Trustman's second season when they a lot did. of us checked out? I can't recall it offhand. This I can't remember Fox, the Bills. I remember John the... Fox special, I guess. No, 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 no. 2014. 2014. Oh, this is Trustman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is I Trustman. just can't early, place this the is game. early in the year. The, the, they hadn't completely gone to shit yet. Was it a high-scoring uh, offense output again in this game? Uh, for the Dolphins. They scored 27 oh, points. That's it. See, I, I have Bears no recollection 14. of this game. Yeah. Let's see. Who's coaching the Dolphins? Uh, Adam Gase. Was it the, oh. No, 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 no hoping, not Adam Gase. Uh, Joe Phillips. Please tell him. Joe Phillips. Uh, so I, was, I was really hoping he'd be the guy that liked to bury footballs in the ground. That, Dan, who's that? Dan Campbell? Is he burying footballs? Scav- Scavino or wait, oh, Tony Greg Schiano. No, he's no, Greg I don't, I don't think he ever did he. Well, he, the 2010 game, he was the coach. That's it. Okay, thank you. You're right. Uh, yeah, this one was uh, 14 nothing at the half. Charles Clay and Mike Wallace had both caught touchdown passes from the the tremendous Ryan Tannehill, still playing in the NFL. The Bears cut Ryan. it to 14 to seven on a Matt Forte uh, pass from Jay. Then Lamar Miller had a touchdown run. Caleb Sturgis kicked a field goal. Made it 24-7. Forte made it 24-14 with a one-yard run, and Sturgis made another field goal. It was 27-14. By the way, I happen to notice that the uh, Tannehill had a big game. Off. Did he? 25-32, oh. 277, and two touchdowns. You know and he ran for 48 yards. Any guesses who his offensive coordinator was uh, that season? Uh, Bill Lazor. Oh, well, there you go. So. The greatest Bears offensive coordinator of all time. Right. Laser. Right. That was eight years ago. And then the last time they played. You know, the first thing I think of the last time they played is uh, Kevin White. I don't know why. I just think Kevin White. Didn't Kevin White make his longest NFL? Wait, Kevin White's still in the league, right? He's back. He's but back. He He's playing for the Saints? And, and somebody said he made, he made a reception that was the longest reception of his career. Yes. Or either that, or it was like more than he'd ever caught collectively with the. No, bears. I think it was the longest. He caught a. His highlight as a bear was. Is that the end of this game? He, he, no, that was the end of the, that was a that was the Patriots. We caught the oh, at the one yard line. I got all geeked up for no reason. Kevin Sorry. White and I don't know that he he did not uh, if he played he did not catch a pass in this game. I don't remember the Bears Dolphins game now in 2018. Oh, I, I, I got confused. With the, I got confused with the Patriots. What happened? Overtime. This this, this, oh. is wild, this is a wild one. I remember it now. Uh, it was hot. I remember it. I'm triggered. It was October. It was hot and sunny in, in South Florida. Um, 
Nick O'Leary caught a five-yard pass from Brock Osweiler. Didn't Brock Osweiler never lose to the Bears? He beat the Bears in three different uniforms, I think. Uh, the Denver Broncos, the Houston Texans, and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> something. But then the Bears, Mitch, started lighting up. Oh, it was 7 nothing at halftime. And then the Bears, an offensive explosion in the third quarter. Mitch threw a touchdown pass to Trey Burton, 9 yards. 12-yard touchdown pass to Allen Robinson. Jason Sanders kicked a 50-yard field goal for the Dolphins. That put him up 14-10. Up to 10. Tariq Cohen had a 21-yard run, put the Bears up 21-10. And Sanders kicked a field goal, 21-13. Okay. Albert Wilson caught a 43-yard pass from Osweiler. And they went for two to tie it, and they got it. Kenny Stills caught a pass from Osweiler. But then you can't keep Mitch down. He threw a 29-yard touchdown pass to Anthony Miller with four minutes to go. Bears are up 28-21. All you got to do, turn it over to Vic Fangio's unstoppable defense. Right. Uh, and then 16 seconds later, Albert Wilson caught a 75-yard touchdown pass from Brock Osweiler to tie the game. Um, I, I can't remember if it was in overtime or the end of regulation. Cody Parkey lined up. I think it was the end of regulation. Tony lined up. Uh, or t- Kobe? Kobe? Cody. Just, let's just call him Corky. Cody. I'm going to call him Corky. The most courageous player in NFL history, uh, thanks to yeah. Savannah Guthrie and the Today Show. Um, yeah. Cody lined up to win it from 50 yards, kicked the ball about 30 yards. Went to overtime. Jason Sanders made a field goal. The Bears lose 31-28. to Good Mitch, times. Mitch, 21 of, 22 of 31, 316 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. How about this, Brock Osweiler? 28 of 44 for 380 yards and three touchdowns. That's I mean, the that's thing about the, thing about the Fangio defense, and it was obviously legitimately a very good defense, but there were it happened more than just a handful of times where the offense would score late in the game, and all Vic's boys had to do was get one stop, and they did yep. it. Most famously, yep. the reason Cody had to kick the double doink was because because the Bears defense let Nick Foles. Just cruise right on down the field and throw a touchdown pass to Golden Tate. The ultimate bend but don't break. And I feel like that Dolphins game was kind of like that. I can't recall it. Sometimes they're Well, this one didn't even bend. 75 yards to Albert Wilson. But I just, it was hot out too. I just remember thinking, or maybe sometimes I get confused with other games, but uh, I just, I just, yeah, I'm trying to get a a feel on that game. It was uh, the frustration of. Were the Dolphins even good that year? Well, they were four and two after that game, but I just, uh, God, I don't think they were good. It didn't really matter in the context of that season because the Bears won the division. Blah blah blah. They were seven and nine. But you, but you're right. It was actually a very, uh, very much of a foretelling that Cody Parkey could not nail that game down right and save some stem cells and you know not have them keep busting ass through overtime. And the same asshole would pull the same shit in the playoffs. By the way, Jordan Howard, 14 carries, 69 yards. Oh, it was a 53-yarder he tried. He could have kicked it twice. Whatever. He could have kicked it and then kicked it again from where it landed, and he still wouldn't have made it. Was that his only miss? The only field goal he tried. Are you sure? I'm looking at it. 0 for 1. I believe, yeah. I just, I really wanted to believe. He made all four of his extra points. Two or three during the game. 
He also had and six touchbacks what, as, a, as kicking off. All right, so another wise decent day at the office. So that is the last well, time he had the been the, he had been the Dolphins kicker, and the Dolphins got rid of him because he had a weenie leg. Oh. And Ryan Pace gave him a three-year, nine million dollar contract because he was oh, that, so accurate. That's the thing that almost should have cost Pace's job right there, giving a kicker. Kickers, what have we learned? Everybody, like the last... all the other teams, like laughed when they. Well what, well, what have we learned about the last two kickers we've had that have been very good? I mean, we, we we made fun of Panero, but he was very good with the Bears. They picked him up off the scrap heap. Cairo Santos. Yeah, but the Panero thing. Remember that was that. The, <laughs> The whole tryout. It was yes, in the wake just of this. Uh, Nagy made such a big fucking of... deal out of it. And they had the, like, they do the different things. Like, then they would brag about, oh, we do this thing we're called Augusta Silence, where the kickers kick and nobody right. makes a noise. But, like, even, like, even Robbie Gold, right? Like, probably the most successful place kicker in Bears history. Do you remember Doug Bryan? Like, that was the guy the Bears got when they, when they, and their only non Ditka era of ascension. With Lovey, 04, 05, 06. They signed Doug Bryan from the Jets, even though he had fucking shanked them, kicking the playoffs for them. And Doug Bryan was doing nothing, and then he got hurt, and then they just they pick up Robbie Gold off the scrap heap, and then he goes for 10 years. So it's like, why are you why are you spending money on Doug Bryan? Yeah, because Robbie Cody Parkey. Robbie had been in training camp with the Patriots. Right. And the Patriots had some guy named Adam Vinatieri. So they probably weren't right. gonna keep Robbie. So that's he's the Terry is like as long as Ricky Pro is on the other sidelines catching a game tying touchdown in the Super Bowl, I am here to win mm-hmm. rings. But the I mean the remember Wani couldn't get rid of Butler fast enough, and he brought in Carlos, Carlos Huerta. Huerta. Yeah, and that failed miserably. But Butler also had some like well, he's like old, old and fat. Well, and was, Butler had some real replacing Butler shit. probably wasn't a bad idea. It was replacing no. him with Carlos Huerta. Yes. Yes, that was the yeah. bad idea. But my point is, why are you wasting uh, free agent, a multi-year free agent deals on kickers? Why would you well, waste draft? The year like before kickers? they had Cody Parkey, one of the kickers they had that year was Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos, yeah, I know, yeah. who is yeah. the greatest kicker in Bears history already. <laughs> He's pretty damn good. He's pretty fucking I- good. I just hope the next time Cairo misses one is when it doesn't matter. He's going to miss one soon. No. I just he, hope He doesn't ever have to miss another one. Okay. Right. Who says he's ever got to miss? I don't know, man. We were kids in 1985, and Kevin Butler was 44 or 44 in extra points, and he didn't miss too many field goals either. Remember he made like a 52-yarder to beat the Packers one year? Remember that? 1986, and he did it. He hit another 52-yarder back when 52-yarders were rare uh, early in the game against the Packers later that season. But, um, yeah, you know, it's funny. There's not – you're right. There, we just zipped through the Dolphins' history at the Bears. There's not a lot. Of, well, they've only played 13 times, and the Bears have only won four of them. <laughs> it's not a great history. I mean, I guess the that that Nagy game is memorable because it was exciting. Right. I mean, they blew the no, at the but end. you're right. It was an exciting game, but other, the only game you really remember is the '85 one. Right, and I guess that '88 because it was the first game in Nashville turf. But like, yeah, they they've only we're, beaten the Dolphins. We're not playing you remember this been, grass. Right, Let's remember this crap. Right. Whenever since you and I've been able it was to drive, the turf, was it already ruined by halftime? <laughs> In Bears, was, in Bears history, that's actually I kind of miss that. You know, the new turf seems to actually stay in the ground. 
It's a, they finally stumbled across. Although it hasn't solution. gone through a winter yet, we'll see what happens when it gets cold. Well, you know, they're not even because it, is it? It's it's real turf. It's not small case real turf. No, it's, it's like, real grass. It's it's Bermuda. It's still a, Bermuda grass. Bermuda, as they like. To okay, call it. it is pretty good, I guess, lately. But uh, well, it's only this year because last year it was terrible. Was everything about was, that. Everything it was about awful last year. Is Soldier Field built on an Indian an Indian burial <laughs> site? Because like. It's just yeah. never has Cody been Barkey right. Got, yeah, Cody Barkey, actually, the Bears didn't cut him. He got lost in the TV. Right. Right. Just like <laughs> just, just Craig T. Nelson. He throw a tennis ball into the TV and another hey, Fox, he goes he's in. coming around the corner. I just, like. There he What did she say? Whole, the, that creepy little girl, like, died young, right? The poltergeist. He did. Girl? But and so did her sister, who was uh, celebrity attorney uh, Donna McDunn's son, uh, daughter. But her brother was Griffin Dunn from After Hours. Oh, yeah. am, I making, am I making any sense? Okay, so the here. older sister, yeah, the older sister in Poltergeist, which by the way I, I finally introduced to my kids about a year ago, and they they kind of liked it. The older sister in yeah, Poltergeist the got scene. Beat. Where they—that's with all the skeletons. That's where they find out that the house was built. You removed the headstones, but you left the bodies. How the hell did we get that poltergeist? Because I can do this. <laughs> I can do this all day. I, I'm just going to say that in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, in the spring of 1984, was when we finally got cable, and that poltergeist, which had been released in the theaters the previous season. So I might be off the air. So it might have been like spring of 83. But either way, Poltergeist was playing nonstop. And, of course, when you first get cable, you get HBO, show, all of them. So basically, 11-year-old me and a few of my friends had every line of that movie memorized because it was constantly on. Great yeah, I remember that my my grandpa got cable because he lived in, the, lived in the big city. Of eleven hundred people, and uh, well, I thought cable came to the rural areas first because it was easier to electrify. Because it came to it didn't cable didn't come to Chicago nineteen in the nineties. Just FYI. Oh. Well, he had it in the early eighties. I remember going to, um, I, so he and he had HBO, and they, remember HBO had the little that little magazine that they would come out every month that showed what was going to be on when. Their own magazine. And every time I was at his house, I would steal it. And um, then I would figure out like when um, first the movie I on. wanted to watch. Then right. I asked mom if I could go to grandpa's <laughs> watch the movie. I remember seeing like, like Rocky Three. I remember going down to watch that. Like, why do you want to watch Private School of Phoebe Cates? Yeah. Like, well, trust me, <laughs> it's edu- it's educational program. It's called Private School. It's lectures mostly. I should, should let me watch it. But yeah, I would always swipe the magazine from him. He didn't care, he didn't. right? He, he knew that if I stole it, it probably meant I was going to come back and hang out with him because I wanted to watch something. So, right, but right. Yeah, we got the we and then we we went to, we got the dish in eighty. My sister and I argued about what year we got it because I wrote in the th- thing about my dad. I thought we got it in eighty six. I think she thought it was a year later, but then we had it. Yeah, I would have thought watch, if, we could watch everything. It was amazing. We could watch anything I, well, back then. Nothing was scrambled. If you could point to just, just, it, you could watch it. I just assumed like a farm boy like you had cable ahead of everybody else because we it was still easier. can't. The farm still can't get cable. 
So, but the houses but you aren't close are also, enough. They won't. Cable company won't put cable in when the houses are half a mile apart. So, but but you guys were total trendsetters in the eighties because you guys had a satellite dish yeah. too, right? So okay, that's what we had. To, Mom still has Directv because you can't get cable. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So the dulcet tones of you know Skip Carey and. Uh, the WTBS broadcast in the 80s. We could watch all kinds of wild shit. Um, Dad used to be, Dad had a feed he could watch of the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather that didn't have, it, it stayed on Dan during commercials. But he'd love that. He'd love Yeah. Dan would be yelling at somebody off camera. Dan was just waiting for him to go all Casey Kasem on somebody. Yeah. And um, we did, we got to see a Cub game, I think it was from spring training, where same thing. When they went to when it went to commercial, we could still hear Harry and Steve, and and basically what every commercial break was was Harry pointing out broads for Arnie to point the camera at. It was great right. for the hat shots. Yep. Hey, Arnie, third baseline, about right. six rows, and you'd see the camera move because we were seeing the same feet Harry was. Right. And Harry'd be like, "No, no, no, right. farther over, farther." There she is. <laughs> I was like watching Bozo's buckets. Like, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, go left, right. Oh, you're there. All right, that's it. Hold in. That's exactly right. <laughs> I remember Dad was really disappointed when they started, like, blocking stuff or being aware to go to commercials. Uh, right. I know you regular plebes being able to watch how the sausage is made. It was good stuff. But yeah, there was the, there me. was the Spice Channel. I I remember hearing of the Spice Channel. Wait, that, that was like the softcore porn no, channel, it wasn't right? Softcore. That was real. That was like skin real mix. stuff. Oh, no, that was that was real stuff around Spice. It was Triple basically S. Like, it was basically like a health class for me. Well, you know, right? Oh, it was a real ecological sort of perspective involved. <laughs> One thing I remember was uh, one. It got progressively more sophisticated. We'd upgrade equipment every couple of years. When we first got the dish, it was you know there's there were uh, there were several satellites and they all had 24 channels on them. So, like sometimes like maybe WGN would be on one satellite, but ESPN would be on another. So you couldn't just change the channel on the TV. Yeah, some poor schlub had to go outside, which was always me, and turn the hand crank. And Dad would stand on the porch where he could see the TV and yell at me. And he'd be like, no, 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 right. the other way, the other way. Okay, a little bit more. Okay, there. And then we'd like lock it's like, it. It's, a, it's like a space age equivalent of the rabbit ears on the television. And then we would take like a colored pencil. We started, but Dad put like a little thin line of paint. But we realized that the... The dish might move just a little bit on its base, so we'd take like a colored pencil and mark where the satellites were, and then you could adjust wow. it if they started to adjust. Because if you had to change it by yourself, it was a pain in the ass. You have to run out, crank, right. it, run back in, look, go back, do it again. Right. It was. And then we yeah. got then we got the uh, we got a receiver that had a um, a motor. You could run a motor from inside the house, so you could turn the dish from inside the house. Now that oh. Was, so you could move it, and you could adjust it yourself. That was better. Like, was it like a big giant joystick of sorts, or just like it had a do- it had a knob on it. You turn it either right or left, and then 
the dish that, would, that's a, the dish would that's slowly a game, that, move. That's a game changer because there's nothing more frustrating than like, especially if you're the only one home, right? Like, hey, I want to watch, I want to watch the West Coast version of uh, you know Dynasty. So, Dad, Dad had worn a spot down in the carpet in front of the entertainment center because we didn't have a, the the dish didn't have a remote. The TV did, but the dish didn't. So he would lay on the floor and then reach up and turn, and move the dish to change channels. He would just lay. You'd go. You'd go in. It was nothing to walk in the living room. There's dad laying on the floor watching TV. Right. Because he didn't want to get up, sit down. He had a he had a bad back. He wasn't going to get up and do it. So he'd lay on the floor and he wore the carpet out in that spot. And then at some point, we got. Uh, I think it was about the time I left for college. Um, you could just punch in the satellite number on the remote and the dish automatically moved to the satellite. Wow. And then, Space age technology yeah. there. And then I remember I got direct TV in 1998 and dad would come over and he'd be like, I don't know about this. I'm like, look, you never, the, the, the dish doesn't move. I, all the channels are on one thing. Just change to this. Oh, I got a lot of money sunk into this thing. No. It's like, Welcome well, to. It's like, yeah, but you pay. I guarantee you're paying more in programming than I am. So finally, right, convinced right, him, right. and he he upgraded to Directv. So, well, good work. But Dad and I installed my Directv. We installed the dish ourselves. You didn't hire those AT and T assholes that come out and. No, we did it. Nice. And we uh, initially did it. We mounted the dish on the side of my house. And then we realized there was a tree that <laughs> was in the way. <laughs> so then we had to take the dish down, and we ended up we put a um, we put a post in the middle of my front yard, in between the two trees, and they put the dish on the post. And um, it didn't look great, but it was there. I buried the cable into the house, and then we left it there. But then, slowly but surely, on my street. You started to see satellite dishes on posts in the yard because everybody pretty much had the tree problem that I did. Right. And it was almost like, well, the fucking Dolan kid, it doesn't look that bad. Let's just do it. And then I planted, I put a, I put a pavers around and planted flowers around mine to dress it up. <laughs> that looks so good. All right. Well, there you go. That was dolphins and satellite chat and. Um, sure. All kinds of fun. See, stuff. We, see we covered it. it. You know, it, it was it was a proud history for like 15 years that was totally elite. That probably doesn't seems odd to somebody that was born after like, you know, 1988. Um, and you know, they had their colorful characters like Zonka and Marino, and 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 you know, it's just. Um, but there's not much there, and there wasn't much for us to pick over actually for a team that. When we were kids, it seemed like a giant. It's really that was all it was. It kind of went to dust because they're. Well, who knows? They've got they got a pretty good team now. They do. They got Tua. Bears got yeah. Justin Fields. Maybe the next maybe the next decade will be Bears Dolphins multiple Super Bowl. The uh, the Super Bowl twenty that should yeah the Super Bowl twenty that should have been. Right. That that's pretty much the the, the best thing I could probably say. That's that's if there's any regrets about the 85 bears is that we didn't ex- we didn't get the opportunity to exact revenge on the one team that took you know that took us that's about it yeah and so you know kudos to don shula and all those pricks but you know 
Bears ended up with the trophy that year. So fucking a. And the Dolphins have uh, not won one. Dolphins haven't won a Super Bowl since, since 13 years before then. So another franchise that ranks below the Bears in our lifetime. Yeah, they've been. Have they even been in an AFC Championship game? They were in one in Buffalo, right? So that's the thing. I, I actually, gave, I actually gave this some thought. They were all right. So they lost in '85, and then Marino got back there. I know one of the four times in which the Bills went with Jim Kelly. Marino had a golden opportunity at home in the '92 season, and you would have thought that the Bills would have been like, "Fuck it, we're tired of going to this. We just got embarrassed two years." Well. We got heartbreakingly lost to the Giants, but then we got embarrassed for the Cowboys. We don't want to go back. And that was Marino's best chance, 92. They were at home, and somehow they lost. Uh, but I don't think they really went to that many other. Because remember, like, after the Bears won, it was like Broncos, Browns, three out of four years. And the one year in which it was not the Broncos and Browns in the 80s, it was uh, – it was the Bengals, and I don't think it was the yeah, Bengals. They, and, and they haven't Alvin. advanced past the divisional round of the playoffs since 1992. Damn. That's going to be some Lions territory, frankly. So I don't even know. What? They lost the wildcard game in 16. They lost it in 8. That's it. I feel, Two playoff appearances since 2001. It's It's, it's got to be weird for they like a the kid. They lost the game. Wow! That's not doing the thing I wanted to do. I just want to see all their games here. Oh, that's that, 2008. It, it almost must seem weird to uh, like listen to guys like us give them any kind of reverence, considering how long they've been. They won their last playoff game 22 years ago. A wild card game against the Colts. Their coach was Wani. Wow! Now that's the way to finish. I think we found a way. I th- I think Wani beat a- Peyton Manning in the playoffs. Wow. Make it stop. Jay Fiedler out duels Peyton crazy. Manning. Why, I, I would not have guessed that Wani won a playoff game with the Dolphins. Wani okay. was won a playoff game. Was it on the road, by the way? Like it was at the Bears? Was uh, it in the Hoosier Dome? No, it was in Miami. Then they okay. went Then they went on the road to, the, to Oakland, and they got beat 27 to nothing by the Raiders. And that's the year that Oakland went to the Super Bowl. So... Wow. And okay. since then they have lost. So that's so they, lost, they have a one game losing but, streak there. But they haven't been in that many. So two, three. Well, they only lost four playoff games in a row in a row, but yeah. Yeah, they've been to they've been in wow. two playoff games the last twenty years. Wow. Wow. All right. So yet an, yet another I just don't understand how we can keep coming across franchises that are just more sad sack than the Bears, but Hey, here we are. That's incredible. It's incredible that Dave Wadstead has their last playoff victory. I'm going to savor that over the course of the next few days. <laughs> they could bring him back. Bring him back, kids. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Alrighty. Thanks, Eddie. Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over. 